Lucas on Life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas. This week, we're going to reflect on an activity that we Christians spend quite a lot of our time engaging in. Let's face it, we do sing rather a lot of songs. Some of us work our way through quite a lot of liturgy, but almost all of us spend quite a lot of our lives listening to preaching. Some years ago, I gave an endorsement to a book which I thoroughly commended, well, at least most of it. But there was one sentence that I found really galling and one that I feel is quite wrong because the author predicted the death of preaching. In fact, he said, the day of platform teaching is over. I really feel that that prediction was something similar to the prediction about the death of books. Surely everyone said, Kindle's here now, we won't need to hold a book. The truth is, books have made a big comeback. I really believe, and perhaps I'm biased because I'm a preacher, I really believe in the power and the necessity of preaching. We're currently living in a postmodern culture. Effectively, that means that there's no core absolutes that undergird our story. Coupled with postmodernism, there's good old relativism, the notion that if an idea works for you, then it's fine. People these days even talk about us sharing our truth. But truth is not mine or yours. It's either true or it's not true. And then there's pluralism, the notion that all ways lead to God. These ideas can be difficult to engage with, particularly as we often find ourselves suffocating in a rather cloying political correctness when we're rather reluctant to actually speak out and hold an opinion which is contrary to that of the consensus. It's been said that we're trivialising ourselves to death. We have data overload, but the lack of a story. The veteran American newscaster Ted Koppel addressed his colleagues in an acceptance speech when he accepted Broadcaster of the Year Award in 1986. Koppel said, We've become so obsessed with facts that we've lost all touch with truth. Almost everything that is publicly said these days is recorded. Almost nothing of what is said is worth remembering. With all that in mind, let me make a claim. I believe that good, biblical, relevant preaching, it's absolutely vital. Those of us who are Christian leaders spend a lot of our lives preparing those sermons. But let's face it. Preaching, it's not got an exciting reputation, has it? Pick any exciting word, any word will do, and here's a few possibles that, for better or worse, might end up on a popular list of words associated with excitement. Words like Ferrari, skiing, sex, mountaineering, lottery, football. But here's a word not likely to make the list of things that are very exciting. Sermon. I mean, it's hardly an exhilarating term, is it? Most people might like to put the sermon word on their boring things to avoid, like food poisoning list. It can speak to many about an endless monotone drone reserved for stuffy Sunday mornings, bottoms numbed by a bad chair or pew, and an eye superglued to the clock whose minute hand doth not turn tangibly, an exercise in studied tedium, hardly likely to quicken a pulse or put a spring in your step. 
something Christians listen to once a week to prove that they're really committed, a kind of evangelical hair shirt, but hardly exciting. But when Jesus preached, it was riveting. No bland, colourless platitudes from him, just words that smacked home like a solid punch on the jaw. No twilight zone, here's a little thought for the day from him, but the impact of a blinding searchlight shattering the darkness of a moonless night sky. They said he was like no one else, and not just because of his style or its oratory, but also because of the weighty, solid authority with which he delivered his pithy preachers. And he was particularly unlike the numbing religious crowd with their sophisticated, irrelevant, I'm better than the rest of you pagan filth mutterings. I'd love to have got a ticket for the Sermon on the Mount. I wonder how they advertised it. Were there posters screaming, Today, Hillside, the miracle worker, one day only, free? Of course, when someone's trekking around the hillside opening blind eyes and opening deaf ears, no commercials are usually required because people just show up, clamouring hordes of them, desperately eager for a glimpse of a world that had been beyond their own horizons. So when Jesus trudged up that hillside 2,000 years ago and sat down to deliver his talk, he calmly lobbed a couple of dozen verbal grenades into the crowd and the reverberations and aftershocks are still being felt to this day. Jesus, the king of that hill, calmly told his listeners how to really live and it was mind-blowing stuff. Radical and revolutionary enough to launch a crowd-wide sharp intake of breath in that Sermon on the Mount, a presentation that would have taken just around 14 minutes to deliver, Jesus demolished just about every popular idea about so-called successful living, false ideas that are still doing the tired old rounds today. And he presented a totally new order of living. And the crowds, they were amazed. Those oppressed people who'd had no land to call their own, living as they did under the heel of the Roman occupying forces, heard about a king kingdom that was bigger than land, ethnicity and the planet Earth itself. They heard about a different order of living where self and personal survival aren't king, but where Jesus takes the throne. The Pharisees, lingering on the borders of the crowd, would have been shocked to hear of a new order of righteousness, which was not about parading your piety in public, as they did, but rather about caring for the last, the least and the lost. Stunned, the crowd gasped as they heard how everyone was welcomed by this new good king, how they could have a new quality of relationships how sexual purity and marital fidelity was important and achievable under the reign of this good Lord, how words can so easily hurt or help, and how the king invited all of them to offer every single area of their lives to his leadership. And the most shocking and truly exciting of all was the news that this king was no distant monarch who locked himself behind luxurious closed palace doors, rather the king of love himself had come to where they were and invited them all to enjoy a never-ending life of friendship with his royal self, the real people's king. And all of this came through Jesus, the preacher. Jesus' preaching was mind-stretching, challenging, encouraging, fun, life-changing, but one thing's certain, boring it never was. And because some preaching is just that, dull, there are some who as I mentioned earlier, react against it, pronouncing it as a clumsy, outmoded dinosaur, a tedious relic of yesteryear that has no place in the modern high-tech chatroom that has become our culture. I am convinced that there has never been a greater need for biblical literacy than today. 
If this can be facilitated by our gathering together as the people of God to hear a thoughtful, well-prepared presentation that will ground us more on solid rock, then why not? There are some churches that are filled with prophetic junkies, eager for the next word from God, yet almost repelled by the offer of an exposition of Scripture. Ask them to turn to chapter and verse, and eyes glaze over in disinterest. Suggest that you've got a prophetic picture in your mind and dress your message in prophetic frills, and you'll catch their interest quickly. So God give us a revival of preaching, but preaching in the order of Jesus. Let it be colourful, energetic, relevant and down-to-earth, yet touched by heaven preaching. Away with the parsonical voice and the monotone drone. Let the children understand and be delighted by winsome preaching, and may the adults find comfort equipping and challenge in it too. In short, we need help. Lord Jesus, please teach us how to preach. Lord Jesus, help those who preach. Do it just a little like you did. Hi, I'm Sam Hales. If you're enjoying Lucas on Life, you'll love the Profile podcast. Every week, we sit down with a leading Christian to find out more about their life, faith, and testimony. Here's Joyce Mayer. Anything that we give up for God, He gives it back to us multiplied so many, many times over. I encourage anybody to make whatever sacrifices they need to to be in the perfect will of God because there's no better place to be. Listen to the full interview with Joyce Mayer now on the Profile podcast. Just search for The Profile wherever you get your podcasts from or visit premierchristianradio.com forward slash The Profile. Preaching. We all listen to it. Some of us spend a lot of time preparing for it. But what kind of preaching is effective preaching? And how might we pray for those with the responsibility to lead and bring teaching and preaching? It happened after a communion service at a major conference. It was Sunday morning and I was attending an all-age worship family service. All went rather well, except for the fact that the adults had to participate in an endless song with actions, which required us to announce that even if we were chimpanzees in the jungle, we would still worship the Lord. We further expressed our determination to be faithful worshippers should that metamorphosis into the animal kingdom ever occurred as we strutted around making oo-oo noises. But it was all good fun, despite our failing to impress some of the children with our chimp impersonations. And then it was time for the preacher to speak. Given the all-age content of the service up until that point, I thought that he would probably share a familiar story that would be accessible across the ages. Zacchaeus, perhaps, or Jairus's daughter being raised from the dead, which is slightly more palatable than stinky Lazarus staggering out of his rancid tomb in those rather grubby, smelly grave clothes. Or the little boy Samuel being called by God, only to repeatedly wake up old Eli in the night, an episode that has got a smidgen of Monty Python about it. But there was no mention of the reformed tax collector, little Samuel, or the synagogue leader's offspring. Instead, the speaker delivered a 40-minute talk that was not only completely inappropriate for a multi-generational service, it focused on a series of complex theological issues with apparently no practical application, but it was also utterly inaccessible and filled with technical language. The children looked really bewildered, and even the adults looked confused. On and on it went, until, surely in answer to the whispered prayers of many, and punctuated by one little chap who stood up and yelled, Can we just be chimps again? The speaker prayed his closing prayer. The congregation released an almost deafening sigh of relief, and the hapless chap sat down. 
The person leading the service thanked him warmly for such a wonderful preaching, and we all politely, obligingly applauded. If it's possible for a clap to be insincere, this round of applause was irrefutably hollow. I wondered how often we Christians lie through our teeth when in public settings. Everyone knew that it was a disaster, or so I thought. Shuffling out of the auditorium, I turned to a minister friend as we emerged into bright sunlight. What on earth was all that about? I asked. I'm not sure, said my friend. I didn't understand a word of it either, but I think it was really deep teaching. My mouth fell open. I couldn't believe it. The suggestion was that deep teaching meant that we would all be at odds to comprehend what was actually being said. The fact that the sermon was irrelevant, ill-timed, and void of any practical application for a human being, or chimp, of any age, meant that it surely had to be substantial. What a ridiculous idea. Some Christians like things, especially preaching, to be deep. Someone who is deeply spiritual probably prays at unearthly hours when even angels are sleeping. But depth can also be used as a highly effective weapon, a powerful missile in the armory of anyone who likes to criticise without fear of contradiction. The preaching in this church is just not deep enough, snorts the irate congregant, a look of measured indignation on their scowling face. The preaching is so superficial. Christian leaders fear comments like these because there's just no way to question whether the critic is right or not. Who's to say what is deep and what is not? There's no meter to plug in during the sermon to scientifically measure how many spiritual fathoms the content contains. And it gets worse. In some circles, it seems that the better the teacher you are, the more likely it is that some will think you're superficial because you take what is complex and make it accessible and clear. Some conclude, therefore, that you're not very learned and your skill in communication is touted as evidence that you're shallow. The likelihood of you being called superficial is heightened if you use humour in your communication because if people understand you and then they also enjoy the experience, there must be something wrong, according to some furrowed-browed killjoys. I'm heartened by the fact that the greatest teacher in history told delightful little stories to illustrate truth and sometimes to send his listeners on a hunt for further truth. Did Jesus use humour? I'm reliably informed that all of that talk of camels squeezing through the eye of a needle would have caused a giggle, although the gag might be thousands of years out of date by now and so lost on us. Some have actually asked if Jesus ever laughed which surprises me, seeing as he was such a popular party guest, and not just because he was rather good with wine. Children rushed to him. They wouldn't surely have been quite as enthusiastic if he'd moped around as a miserable, wide-eyed Pharisee. Surely story and humour were part of his life and were tools used to help people understand what on earth the man from heaven was talking about. So let's beware of teaching and preaching that confuses and makes the Christian faith complicated and even beyond reach. Let's pray for those who teach and preach in our local congregations, because theirs is a heavy responsibility to shed light on God-breathed scripture and use their teaching gift to make truth accessible. Deep doesn't mean confusing. Pray for your local preacher. Lucas on Life.